0: Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barkers UK where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week we talk about the UK property market, whether house prices will continue to drop next year and if this is an opportunity for UK investors, with Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Richard Donnell, Executive Director at Supla and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. If you are new to investing, want to learn more about investing, or want tips on how to manage your long-term financial plans, check out our sister podcast channel, Money Plan, available on Apple, Spotify and SoundCloud.
1: Welcome to Word on the Street. Today we're very lucky to be joined by Richard Donnell of Zoopla, expert on the UK residential property sector, which is obviously provoking plenty of gasps of concern at the moment, and always will. So let's get started with the world before we focus in on the UK. Well, I know this has been a really busy week for important economic data. How is the outlook shaping up?
2: Hello, Sarah. Hello, Richard. Yes, uh, certainly. Economic data, hard and soft, are coming in uh, thick and fast at the moment. I guess the temptation always is to exaggerate one data point to allow it to colour too much of your kind of guesses at where the economy is um, is heading. The overall sense, steering away from that temptation, the overall sense from the sort of incoming data in total is that the Uh, It continues to be of a U.S. and global economy that is slowing. Uh, The U.S. labour market is cooling, albeit from levels of historic heat. And that's all, you know, somewhat perversely good news. We need the US economy to stop throwing off so much heat and therefore inflation. Um, the key question for investors to, you know, looking to call cool the bottom in the stock market is, uh, you know, still unanswered, I think. And that those questions are really surrounding uh, whether we've seen the peak in inflation and can the US avoid a recession in its battle uh, to bring inflation to heel. Broadly speaking, equity investors seem to be saying that the US economy can avoid recession next year although it may be a close thing now it's not it's not binary of course uh yes recession turn right no recession no recession turn left uh, remember market pricing should always be seen at all times reflecting a range of probable future paths and changes in how each of those paths' likelihood is handicapped uh, as incoming data uh, and news items kind of changes those estimations. However, our sense is that the likelihood of the benign path, uh, i.e. the US, recession, uh, US uh, avoiding recession, that's being exaggerated, overblown a little bit. So that broadly is the summary. There's loads of stuff going on in China as well. We talked a bit about that last week, but but yeah, that's the broad global summary, I guess.
1: Okay, thanks, Will. And so the UK seems to already be in recession?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, that seems to be the consensus at the moment. The usual warning here is don't assume too much about the size and duration of the recession all the same. The headlines will automatically go to the goriest forecasts as usual, uh, lost decades and so on. However, remember, there are scenarios, as we pointed out, where things go a little better than planned. For instance, you know, one potential sort of way of envisaging that is you could have, don't laugh at the back, uh, uh, You know, actually, a quicker peak in inflation uh, than currently expected that could make for a quicker peak in interest rates, and that in turn, relative to forecasts, could confer a little bit more elbow room on policymakers to support uh, some of the downside. But still, you know, I think you know the the the, as you suggest that the near term outlook for the UK economy is very difficult at the very least.
1: Richard, let's bring you in here. I saw this week that we have more evidence of demand drying up a residential property. Is this what you were expecting, given the increase in mortgage rates over the past few months?
3: Yes, I think we uh, basically we've seen demand in the property market um, fall 44% since the mini-budget. And really, it's like the Christmas slowdown has come six to eight weeks early, largely due to do with the fallout for the mini-budget, you know, mortgage rates, which were rising anyway, ending up at sort of six and a half percent for a typical mortgage. And that's that's way more than than homeowners were, were experiencing at the beginning of this year. And obviously all the associated sort of negative commentary around the economy, as, as we've been hearing about. So and it's not really a busy time of year for people to start looking for a home. So I think we, what we've got now is a period of just weaker activity, people sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what the outlook it is, is for mortgage rates, what the outlook is for sort of jobs and the labour market, et cetera. And it really all depends on on where mortgage rates are as we start next year. I think sales volumes have fallen by less than demand. So demand is people getting in touch with estate agents about properties for sale. Um, sales volumes, the number of new sales being agreed is down by um, just over a quarter. And for people with mortgages, for people with cheap mortgage rates, people who are really committed and keen to move, um, less worried about th- that where rates, mortgage rates are going. They're continuing to buy property, but the overall volume of transactions is lower.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to hear that about the outlook. But it'd
3: be interesting to hear a bit more
1: around the short term outlook for house prices. Surely that is challenging.
3: No, it is. I think, um, you know, mortgage rates um, going up from 2 to 6% creates a 30 to 40% hit to buying power assuming the person doesn't put any more money towards their mortgage and so that full amount won't feed through into house prices but i certainly think house prices are going to end up probably falling by up to five percent next year potentially slightly worse in in the south of england where um, affordability is more stretched and so higher borrowing costs might have a bigger impact on prices but even a five ten percent fall in house prices simply takes prices back to where they were at the start of this year or late last year so You know, homeowners have made a lot of money out of their homes over the pandemic uh, or in the wake of the pandemic. And I think homeowners are going to have to give up some of those gains. But, you know, but no one's really at risk of negative equity with with modest house price falls. So definitely flat to falling prices, particularly in the south of England. But it's the the equity is there to absorb uh, those falls.
1: Yeah, that's good context, actually, to think it's only as, you know, it's only dropped to as low as it was at the beginning of this year. You mentioned the South of England being slightly harder hit. Is there any other areas um, that we should be worried about or maybe not just geography, any categories of housing that we should be worried about?
3: Well, I think the the strongest price growth has come through for the classic three bed semi, three bed detached um, house in sort of regional housing markets. So we've seen a much bigger drop in sales activity for sort of family houses in very hot markets. I think um, the other category that's really underperformed over the last three or four years has been flats. As people have searched for space, they've tended to bypass the flats market. So the capital growth or the, the house price inflation for flats has significantly underperformed houses. And with these affordability pressures coming through, you know it could be that flats in city centres might start looking better value for money. And we might see an uptick in demand for those sort of underperforming segments. But the, i say the segment that's really going to get the hit is that classic family house that everyone wants, where we've had way more demand than supply. And, and so prices might need to fall back for those with mortgage rates going up.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you, Richard. And Will, I know you've talked about the relationship between real real interest rates and house prices, but house prices before. Could next year find real interest rates a bit more friendly for property? Do think?
2: Yes, I mean, Sarah, your point there is, I mean, you know, and it's well described the kind of mechanism by Richard. I mean, the disclaimer we'd put on always is that the drivers of house prices are you know heterogeneous they're not often easy to categorize uh, they can change over time it's quite a complicated sector you know influences on a certain street's house prices, can, you know, it's quite difficult to sort of bring up to the national uh, national level sometimes. But yes, uh, there was a Bank of England study, we talked about it a lot a few years back, which looked at the effect of rising real interest rates on house prices, and it found that about a 1% rise in real interest rates can be associated over time with about a 20% fall uh, in house prices over time. Now, I, I mean, and, and you make the point, you know, I mean, you may find real interest rates be a bit more helpful next year, but you know going back to richard's point i mean i think our point here is really about diversification we think the likelihood of your home being able to double up as your investment portfolio as it has done very nicely for the last few decades as uh, as richard pointed out that's less likely in the years ahead and in a way that sort of increases our belief that customers clients who are able to you know having some of your savings tethered To the global economy, to all of our amazing co-inhabitants of this planet, having your savings tethered to that uh, to that global economy rather than a street in the UK, that's probably quite a good sort of diversification tactic for those looking for sort of you know to better anchor their long-term investment returns.
1: And any final thoughts from you, Richard? Maybe you've got a tip for us.
3: Well, I think the the big tip, and it almost builds on something Will mentioned around. if If you if you're serious about selling your home next year but all homes are different, you know, you just, you know, you need to speak to an agent. Um, I think also don't stop. I mean, buying a home is a sort of six to 12 month, if not longer process. So if you're serious about moving, you've got to keep close to your mortgage broker, close to your bank, close to your estate agent, work out what your options are. And I think the other thing is a lot of people, a lot of people think they know the house or street they want to move into next. And, and the reality is a home might not come up there. So if you're serious about moving, you, you've got to sort of look more widely and, and think of your options. Is is my main tip for people, and I think the other point is, whilst we don't think house prices might fall a lot in the short term, I do think we're going to have this long term, much slower levels of house price growth into the longer term now. And I think, I think people are going to be far more conscious of the running cost of their home, the future investments they need to make in their home, and whether they try and negotiate that off at the front when they buy their property. And then we have the whole green agenda, you know, decarbonising our homes and the investment required. So. I think, you know, house prices are going to, there's going to be a drag on house price growth over the long run. And, uh, you know, people are going to start thinking about that. Excellent. A few good tips in there. Thank you, Richard. Um, And
1: sorry, actually, one more final question, but for you, Will. This came in from a listener, so I just wanted to ask it before I forgot. The basic gist is that you guys keep telling me to get invested today, if at all possible. But the economic outlook for next year is horrible. What gives?
2: It's a great question. You can add to that. It's a great question. And you can add to that a lot of people are looking at sort of, you know, rates available just from putting your uh, cash on account in certain places. And they think you can get sort of investment returns without much risk or with less risk uh, from that. So it, it seems like quite a difficult moment to get invested. I would make, the answer I would give comes in four parts, and I'll try and keep it brief. Efficient markets, sizing, Uh, a productivity call option, and valuation. So I'll go through those just very briefly. So first, efficient markets. And this is a really, really difficult concept to get your head around, uh, to be honest. Even some seasoned professionals struggle. However, most of what we think we know or we think we can see about the future is already incorporated into asset prices. That means if you're reading about it in the newspaper, it is extremely unlikely that that kind of prediction thought hasn't already been carefully weighed and incorporated into prices uh, by the world's investors, we always use the example of for efficient markets of the Challenger two shuttle disaster uh, and how quickly prices of the shuttle manufacturers, the various manufacturers, incorporated some of the troubles that were associated with the crash, even uh, relatively accurately incorporating the uh, eventual fines that were handed down by the blue ribbon panel that was paid to investigate it. I think the time was about three minutes uh, that you had to be able to sort of get ahead of the average investor. So that is a sort of the first point. The second one is about sizing. And this leads, you know, like I say, mostly on from that that first point, because while we don't think that prices perfectly reflect all aspects of that guest out road, road ahead, we have a team of specialists who do nothing else, literally nothing else, but look for those opportunities, those short-term macroeconomic opportunities, mispricings, or uh, where the incentives uh, seem to be uh, misaligned with uh, what we see as that sort of, you know, that, that that weighted average, probable future path. However, we would never allow those guys to access the whole portfolio, they get to fiddle at the edges with positioning, uh, trying to add tens of basis points of extra performance a year. So our expectations that stock markets are not fully reflecting a potential recession ahead, that would maybe add, you know, let's say 20 to 40 basis points if it was proved right. And if it didn't, and if it was wrong, you know, it would maybe detract that amount, uh, you know, in a a very rough ballpark. So that should be small beer in performance terms relative to what the SAA, the strategic asset allocation, delivers for you on a kind of five-year rolling uh, basis. The point is that even if you were utterly sure that the world's investors were underpricing the potential for recession next year, you would never let, you know, bet all of your savings on that idea. That would be suicidally overconfident. The third point that leads, you know, again, this leads on, is that it is really a reminder that things can go right as well as wrong. The reason you are investing has nothing to do with whether or not there's going to be a recession in 2023. In fact, almost nothing that happens in 2023 will have almost any, really any bearing whatsoever in your long term, you know, your chances of meeting your long term investment goals. It's about being ready and waiting for the next industrial revolution. Um, and we can never pinpoint when and how that, uh, you know, that 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 transformation will hit precisely. You should always be super wary of anyone who says that they can, that they're likely selling something you don't want to buy, but it's likely coming. Artificial intelligence is one of those things that we've been talking about a lot. You know, the interregnum between the ICT revolution uh, and the AI revolution is ending. You are seeing artificial intelligence begin to seep into practice. Uh, and that's really what you're, you know, that's that's really what you're about. You know, the, the idea that, you know, from an AI perspective, we may be saying goodbye to the days when middle-aged dudes like myself talk about gut instinct as a good way to make decisions. Uh, AI is providing us or will provide us with a more reliable way to make decisions and better ways. So you have to be in it to win it. So it, I think the, the point is invest, ignore the short-term outlook, whatever you think you can see is mostly incorporated into prices, the bits that aren't, they've actually tended on average to be uh, drive stock markets higher rather than lower. So bear that in mind. The final piece is valuation. So obviously stock and bond markets have fallen quite sharply this year. Now that in a sense means all things being equal, that the access, if we call it a call option on future human productivity, that call option is more attractively priced than it was at the beginning of the year. So you are actually getting better access. Final, final, final point, that cash rates available. Remember that those attractive cash rates are also incorporated into our strategic asset allocation. So our strategic asset allocation experts, they'll look at those cash rates you can get everywhere around the world. That will factor into how much Uh, Short term bonds you have relative to equities, relative to the other asset classes and so on. So by just doing, you know, going off and putting your savings on uh, a cash account, in a sense, you're kind of potentially double counting what we're already doing in terms of that available opportunity set from the world's investments sorry, very long answer, but it's a really good question. And if anyone feels I haven't answered it, then please get in touch on LinkedIn.
1: Or if you've got any other questions that you want Will to answer. So thank you very much, Will. And thank you, Richard, for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. Look forward to joining you again next week.
0: All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.